You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and it is Oregon week. Big week, and uh, it seems a little bit more subdued than it has in the past. Maybe that has to do with Washington not being able to get a win down there lately. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I, their last one was 2016, and before that, God, what was it, 20, 2002? <laughs> Something like that. I mean, they've gotten two wins this century. <laughs> So down there, um, yeah, Oregon is, you know, they're, they're playing really well. And I think basically anybody who's, who's been watching things, I mean, nobody's giving Washington a chance to win this game. So when Chris Peterson was here, he had the, um, you know, history with Oregon having coached there at one point in time, Jimmy Lake liked to refer to Oregon as that school down South, um, with the new coaching staff in at Washington, I'm guessing that Scott Huff is probably the one coach that has um, maybe a little bit of an idea of the importance of the rivalry. Well, I didn't sound that way. According to, I mean, DeBoer on Monday when he talked to the when he talked to the media, he basically said, "I can't go anywhere in this town without people reminding me of how important it is to beat Oregon." Um, we talked to the players on Tuesday, and they said the same thing. You know, the guys who've been here, the guys who are new, all of them have said that, you know, they know that this is a big rivalry. And then I talked to Coach Schmidt on Wednesday, and, and he said, you know, we've, we've known for a long time that, that Washington and Oregon are a, is a big rivalry, and this is a big game. Yeah, and, and talking to, um, you know, Coach DeBoer, he was at Fresno last year, and they gave Oregon all they could handle last year. Yeah, yeah, talking to the coaches this week, it was a – Definitely something where they were disappointed with that. And so I think there's a lot, whether you're Scott Huff or whether you're the rest of the staff that played in that game. Now, obviously, Shepard and Brechterfield and those guys didn't coach in that game. But for guys like Lee Marks, who I spoke with this week, and, and some of these other guys, they they coached it. And um, they didn't have great feelings about it. So they, they want to, they, yeah. you know, just part of professional pride. I think they just they want to be able to completely different staff and offense though too. So I mean, you're facing completely different. Yeah, everything. this is this is the first time since 2009 in the rivalry game where there's two first year head coaches, and that was obviously Steve Sarkeesian and Chip Kelly, and um, obviously Chip Kelly was working with a much bigger cupboard than coming off a, a winless season like Sark did. Yeah. But it's interesting that they've this will be I think the eighth or ninth time where two teams. The two teams, Oregon and Washington, have had first-year head coaches coaching them, but it's only the first time since 1942. So back, I guess, back in the day, way back in the day, 
Well, they used to change coaches all the time. Who was the one? Gil Doby was here one year. Gil so. Doby was yeah. <laughs> he was there the one year, and then it, well, as a first year coach, yeah, obviously yeah. he didn't he didn't lose ever lose a game. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's interesting to see what happens, and I think that's part of the reason why there's not a lot of fire in this game. First of all. Like Scott said, not a lot of people are picking Washington on the outside when they're going down against the top five, top six team in the country. Who's playing and really, really well. playing right really now. well. And, and then also when you have two first-year staffs. Now, it's not like Oregon doesn't have coaches that understand the rivalry. I mean, you've got Katosh Lapoy, you've got uh, Meet, uh, Demetrius Martin. Um, even guys like Adrian Clem, you know, they Pac-12, know. They've, yeah. they've got that understanding. So... Uh, but I think that's kind of why it's not not it, nearly as heated as maybe it would normally be. With this Oregon offense, uh, Washington's secondary is definitely going to get challenged. And Washington has their you know original starting five back on the field that they started the year with. But one of the guys who filled in and did a pretty good job, Julius Irvin, um, Coach DeBoer said he's out for the year. Yep. And, you know, and he's been gone for what? This is his third straight game that – yeah, or was it the UCLA like or ASU game that he that he yeah whatever game it was I, don't I think it was the UCLA game. I'm yeah, we were sure. trying to see him on the sideline. I think he must yeah. have been wearing a coat. Yeah, or something uh, at the Oregon State game. Him. Yeah, no. he nope hasn't been around. Yeah, so um, losing him is going to hurt the depth a little bit, but uh, you know, also you know just getting Eddie Ulafosio back and Coach DeBoer talked about how important it is to get him back on the field. Yeah, he's he's a motor, he's a he's a high impact guy from a from a tackle standpoint, a knowledge standpoint, football instinct standpoint. He's also a leader and the players all look to him to be a leader and that's why getting him back in the fold is definitely big for Washington. Yeah, it's kind of always interesting to talk to Galen DeBoer. He just seems to be he doesn't get high, he doesn't get low. He just pretty much is even keel every time we talk mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, well, there's no doubt, and and that's maybe another reason why you don't see a lot of logs being put on this fire this week is just these. That's just not kind of in their makeup. I mean, you, you know, you talk to the players, you talk to the coaches this week, and maybe you ask them a pointed question or two about how important this is, or do you deviate from the process, or do you treat it as maybe a bigger game than others because it's a, a true rivalry game and. You don't hear anything from any of these guys. Well, these guys are as, as buttoned up as you could be. The the coach who uh, accused Washington of being a racist football program is down at Miami too. I mean, and that's that took a lot. Of, I mean, I, I just I can't even imagine being Jimmy Lake. And I know Jimmy Lake wasn't that that was not a good head coach here. Was not a good director of the program and everything like that. But just as an African American head coach, for your your system to be called racist by a white head coach at a school is just, I can totally see why he was so gigged up to uh, by Oregon. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, and that guy is down at Miami. And so we haven't heard Dan Lanning say anything about anything. And we haven't heard anything about them accusing Washington. Of well, and Oregon's so buttoned program. up about these things. And, and granted, I haven't covered them on a week to week basis. So yeah. I don't see what their weekly notes are and things uh-huh. like that. They don't have a depth chart. They don't even put a. They don't even put a depth chart out. This is how, I, I don't. I, you know, I never understand these things. I don't, I never really understand the games. Better, they won't the even mail. They won't even mail our parking passes. I yeah, mean, jeez, no, it's, it's true. Yeah. yeah, and and trying and you've got to either be an IT expert or or have a master's in computer science to be able to get online in the press box. It's 
there's some pretty ridiculous things that happen when you go to Oregon. I, that's why I just never understood it. It's just a matter of common courtesy. Yeah. It's like, do you think when or, when Oregon media go anywhere else in the Pac-12 that they have to deal with any of the roadblocks that the Oregon guys put up for the for the rest of the Pac-12? Yeah, media? nobody's nobody's going to feel sorry for us. But no, it no. Just, but it just you no. know it's just. One of many instances when we travel to Oregon, and you know, I'm probably going to get an email now. Thanks, guys. But uh, no, but it's just like no. But if I mean, let's say if you're or if you're Oregon State media or Washington State media or even media from places like USC or UCLA, you you still deal with the same stuff. It's not different. No, and just you know, props to the guys here at UW, Jeff Bechtold and company. Because I mean, I, we take them for granted sometimes, but they get it done. They accommodate everybody. Well, and plus, you know, the, so. the week of a game, of a road game, what happens? The Monday is he divvies out the credentials, the parking passes that he's gotten from the SID from the other school. But does that happen with Oregon? Nope. Hell no. Hell no. We've got to get them at will call certain time beforehand, and I don't know where we're supposed to park to go get our parking Exactly. Pass. But like I said, put nobody... On your- Put on your hazards. No, no, yeah, nobody, exactly. Just roll right up. Nobody cares about us, and, you know, I'm just looking forward to filling up with gas on the way before I come back and not having to get out of the car. Yeah. So, anyways, I uh, had a chance to talk to uh, quite a few players. And uh, is Jackson, on Tuesday, is Jackson Kirkland the only player on the roster from Oregon? Wow, I didn't even no, think about the, that. No, one of the walk-ons, uh, Heath, Chalil yeah. Heath. He's, he's, I think he's from the Portland, somewhere around the Portland area. Yeah, yeah Oregon and, oh, City and there's also like there, well one of them uh, the quarterback the walk on quarterback from Oregon yeah, City yeah, too. Yeah. So, but so I mean, a couple. as far as a scholarship guy, I think yeah, I yeah, think he might be the yeah. only one. Well, I tried to get Jackson to bite, and you know he was just itching to say something, but you know he's a smart kid. He kind of held back, but yeah. I can promise you, if Washington wins this game, he's the first guy I'm going to. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he will have something to say because he. He knows the drill, and he was never. Did Oregon even offer him? I, if they did, it was really late. Um, UCLA was his big offer, and that's the one he took, and then flipped to UW as soon as they offered. Yeah. So, and then with his dad, there's no love lost for the for the state of yeah, Oregon. But, not a fan. But it's always interesting to talk to Jackson. How do you think Jackson's playing this year? By the way, at guard, I think he's been okay. Um, I I think he's gotten better as the season has gone along. I think he and Troy Fautanu have done a good job on that left side. I saw a couple times, I I watched the replay uh, the other day of the Oregon State game, and there were a couple times where uh, Jackson took out a edge guy and Fautanu came under him and took out a second level uh, linebacker. They love it doing was, yeah. she love doing that. Yeah, so and and they 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 were playing really well. There were, there's been a couple games. I, I think he's going to struggle for the rest of his career with speed guys. That's kind of not his thing. And anytime I've seen him struggle is 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 then, but um, I think now that he's knocked the rust off. I mean, how many games is this for him now? 5? Are we 5 okay. games in to his season? Whatever it is for Jackson, he's playing better as he's been playing better as the season has gone along. Did you talk to Troy Fautano? I did not. Okay, I thought you. I thought one of us did, but it was kind of a he got that. He's had some funny calls this year, and what did he get called for? A guy got knocked down and was getting back up, and Troy annihilated him again. Yep. Is that what it was? Yep. Either either unnecessary have, roughness or unsportsmanlike conduct. It was unnecessary roughness, I think, yeah. and and it was uh, the guy supposedly, according to DeBoer, that's what he said on Monday. The guy's feet have to both be on the ground. 
Yeah, he's had to. to he has again. to reestablish his yeah. position before. He I, I somebody never knocked, heard that. Somebody knocked that. him down, and he got up, and Troy just killed well, him. Well, he, he was in the process of getting up. That's I don't the want. Problem. Yeah, I don't want to say that he leveled him, but he definitely hit him again. Yeah, and and and, and, and I talked to the coaches later in the week about it, and it's just yeah. bottom line. It's it's just a coaching moment where mm-hmm. it's like they're not going to penalize him because it's now the referees are going to penalize him, but the coaches aren't going to penalize him because it's an effort foul. But he just needed to clean up what he needed to clean up. And, you know, when you ask a coach, you know, would, sometimes do you just, if you're on the line, do you, do you teach him to, like, just sit on guys sometimes? And just, yeah, and they're they like, lay no, on just, yeah, he goes, not necessarily sit on them, but, you know, we just have to be smarter about, you know, either, either don't let him go the first time, don't even let him get up, mm-hmm. or if you allow him to get up, make sure he's established and then go rock him again. Yeah, I'm guessing that's a penalty that. The coaches aren't really going. They're just going to look at him and go, "Yeah, don't do that." Yeah, I mean, he's not going to get. He's not oh, going to get sure. out or anything. No, like no, 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 no. They, you know, and again, it's. Um, I don't. I don't know if I've ever seen that called though. Yeah, like, it's it's a weird one, but at the same time, it's like when you look at guys like Kirkland and Fatanu and, and Roger Rosengarten specifically. Those are guys that you, they have to reel in. They, you don't have they, they're 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 coming off the chain. You know, oh. you you have to make sure that they understand. What's going? Because they're always going to get rough, and they're going to be physical. Have you ever seen a call where there's a flag, and then they stop the play, and no timeout was called? It wasn't a flag. They said it was no timeout. <laughs> the the one that it was the twelve was it the twelve men on the field, and there wasn't twelve men on the field. Yeah, they had it, to go back and count. Yeah. yeah, those guys were seeing ghosts, man. Yeah. I mean, that was probably. I know, like I said, I don't like to complain about the referees, but. That guy couldn't even get his mic to work out. Well, there's the that. There's that. Remember that Pac-12 refereeing meme where they have the three guys that are lined up and two of them are facing one way and the other one's facing the other. Yeah. You're like first down. It's like first down, first down. I was expecting to see one of those yeah. against Oregon State. It it got really bad at yeah. times. I had a chance to talk to Michael Penix. Michael's getting good at creatively saying nothing. By the way, he's getting schooled very very well yeah. on that. Yeah, he doesn't he's not saying a lot. He's just like, hey, we got to play our game. We got to stick to what we do. And if we do that, we're going to be in good shape. And that's all he would really say. Yeah, you know, and I talked to Michael, and I also talked to Devin Culp. And uh, Coach DeBoer also talked about it. But I just thought that the key play on that Oregon State game was that third and three uh, down on the eight. Because if they hadn't converted that, you're giving Oregon State the ball back with about six minutes to go, and the punter was really mm-hmm. struggling. You're punting into the wind. You're going to give them great field position, and you may not get the ball back. Yeah, yeah. And that delayed – um, delayed tight end screen. Mm-hmm. I really like that play. Yeah, and he they did it to him twice in that game. I'm pretty sure. So well, the, Washington fans get, should get used to seeing that on Saturday because Oregon uses that same play to great effect. Yeah, and, and it's not just tight ends. They'll do they'll do they'll do angle routes with the with the running backs out of the backfield. Yeah. They'll do a lot of different things well, to 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 create uh, room in that space between the defensive line and your linebackers when they drop. But whereas Washington uses it. Out of just a pass set, Oregon does it out of a RPO. Yeah, where he's the the tight end is running a route. He's not even blocking. Right, and he's going to run a route, and it's Bo Nix's read to say, "Hey, if the linebacker is looking at me handing it off, I'm throwing it to the tight end. If he does, if he goes with the tight end, I hand it off, and and stuff like that. And it, and it just makes it really, really hard on the defense. Devin Culp has struggled with you know catching the ball." But, you know, last year and at the beginning of the year, but um, he's been pretty reliable. And I think he's turning himself into an absolute definite 
NFL prospect with the way NFL is looking at tight ends and using them right yeah. now. He's just got to become a better blocker. He's gotten better at it, and he needs to be even better than he is. But um, I, I still think he probably needs another year. I don't know if he's going to stay another year, but um, – you know, I, I still think he needs another year to get polished up. But, yeah, he's he's definitely becoming a weapon in this offense. Because you take a look at the, what the uh, Seahawks are doing, and, you know, they've got the three tight ends on the field quite a bit, and then they're using that drag route. They just did it all day yeah. last week. But I could see that play with Washington, with Devin, that being mm-hmm. real effective. And then, um, you know, Jack Westover again. It just seems like every game the tight ends are making an impact play. And, Jack Westover. I don't know where that that Oregon ride uh, defensive back. I think he was running to Burgermaster and his Jack no, ran by he, him. His, his issue was he got caught looking in the backfield, looking at. I, I watched the play over and over. My kids were getting mad at me because they were watching the game with me. Dad, why do you keep rewinding it? And it was because yeah. I went back like three times to see. And basically, the guy was running. He he was an outside receiver on right. that all the way out. But was all it DeBoer or, or Grub that said basically? He just ran his route. Yeah. He, this wasn't a, you know, he, I think was it was it DeBoer. DeBoer. I think yeah. it was DeBoer yeah. was basically saying, when I looked back at the tape, I was expecting to see a scramble drill. Uh-huh. And what it was, he goes, no, Jack just ran his route, and he he, he did what he was supposed to do. He did his job. And the defensive back was yeah. looking at Michael Penix. Yeah. And, and got he, caught. I, and Pe- Jack just kept running. Yeah, he kept And he, so he was 10 yards behind Yeah, him. he got caught peeking. And, yeah. and that's, you know, obviously. At that point, it just becomes more of, don't overthrow the guy or underthrow him or throw it offline, you know, where... Well, especially given the down and distance because it was third and long. Third and 24. Yeah, it was third and long, and, you know, and they're not going to try to kick a field goal at that point. Nope. Because, obviously, the wind, has been well-documented, was really kind of ridiculous Saturday night. So, yeah, what a a play. And what a throw. I mean, to be able to throw it that far, because I don't know if it was far hash or not, but it sure felt like, even though it was a 24-yard throw, it felt like more like a 40-yard throw. Yeah. Um, we're just not seeing much, and I know he's been hurt, but um, I thought Quentin Moore would have more of an impact, and maybe that's just but because he pl- But he actually hurt. played. He played. He played Oregon a State, which, was, which was more than we can say about the, the previous few games. Yeah. So He played a lot. He just isn't getting targeted. I, so I'd expect him to play more against Oregon as well. Yeah, yeah. and then also just uh, with Garen Hatchett lining up, he's still coming in. He seems to have found a little bit Number of a niche. Number 96. A yeah. little bit of a niche this year coming down and acting as that third tight end. Yep, yep. And I like that a lot better than bringing Jeremiah Martin. Over. So are they doing that because he, he, if he's wearing 96 now, he all of a sudden is like a tackle eligible? Because yeah, because – Why he, couldn't you just wear 56? I, well, and see, I thought that same thing, but because of the way they're lining him up, yeah. if they're not all on the line – So they weren't uh, – is he like an he has to be an el- He has to be have an eligible number. See, I forgot how they lined him up. I thought they yeah. just lined him up at the very end, but they, is he, he, is he offset? No, but he's lining up as a tight end. It's the it's the five you have the five down linemen and you're not supposed to some whoever lines up outside of the five of the down linemen box. has to have okay. an eligible number. Yeah. I and regardless of whether he's an eligible receiver or not, he has to have an eligible number. I don't know. See if as far as I'm concerned, if that's the case, if I'm grub, I'm always I'm always making sure he goes in and says he's eligible to catch a pass. Because it's it's just one more thing that mm-hmm. the the other team has to think about. I I've seen him catch passes though. Well, but <laughs> sh- <laughs> Scott, <laughs> you're giving away trade secrets here. What are you doing? So, that's, that's but that too was much high school too. That was too. That was in high school. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, Landon though, Landon's a pretty good athlete. Yeah, he's got he that be, flowing hair. He, he might be one of those guys. Well, he's a baseball player. He can handle it. Who'd you talk to yesterday? 
Um, are, as far as the players, yeah. uh, Michael Penix was the main one that I spoke with. Um, I'm trying to remember who my other one was. Oh, Thule. Thule was the one I spoke Thule's with. Thule's playing real well. Yeah, mind. and he's really good at saying nothing, too. I'm I telling mean, you what, I'm yeah. feeling really, really good about my midseason defensive line player of the year. Yeah. He's a uh, player, player of the midseason, I guess. Hey, he, don't break your arm patting yourself on the back there. You know? there. But, there, but, I mean, the right thing there. is, he played, I would argue, that was probably the best he's played in his career at the University of Washington. He was destroying yeah. what Oregon State was trying to do he up was, front. He was what we call grown-ass man yeah. out there. He was just, it, you know, I mean, the guy's barely over six feet. It sure seems like. I mean, I'm I'm five ten, and I'm not looking up at him very high, yeah. you know. So, um, and he just the leverage he used on is it Levin Good was the was the whatever his name was the the center. I mean, that guy got pushed back on. What did they run? Sixty some odd plays, sixty two, sixty five plays. Not very many. Yeah, he probably pushed him back into the backfield thirty times. Yeah, you know that just, drill where they line up the the dummies that are about five feet tall, and they line up like six of them, and they go through them, and then smack each one of them. Yeah. that's what he was doing against Oregon yeah, State. It was, he was just smacking guys, he was destroying them. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I don't want to jump too far ahead to like a pre game preview or anything, but it just feels like. That's going to be such a huge key to the game on Saturday is just how the rest of the defensive line group outside of Thule follow his lead and really step up their game. Because going up against the Oregon offensive line, they've given up one sack all year. And and granted, I understand it's not all on the offensive line. A lot of it is on scheme. A lot of it is on getting the ball out quick. A lot of it is on Nick's and his escapability. But still, to only give up one sack – through 10 weeks or whatever it is, that's just ridiculous. Well, in that first quarter against Oregon State and halfway through the second, you know, one of the things that Washington's defensive line, the only one who was able to do it was Thule. But, boy, they were getting locked up, and they just couldn't get off blocks. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it was much as missed tackles. They just couldn't get off blocks. Well, and, well, Inge said it on Monday. He said we weren't using the right technique. Once we got that cleaned up, then we were able to make tackles as we disengaged from people. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I had a chance to talk to Coach Morrell, and, uh, you know, he says that Thule's playing the best of the linemen right now. Well, yeah, I, that's not a surprise. I mean, he's the most experienced guy. He's the best play. He was highly recruited. He, he should be playing the best of all the guys. And he's real excited to get Eddie back, mm-hmm. too. Just having a guy who understands the rivalry, uh, understands how to play the game, and just having that experience on the field, having Eddie back. He got – how many plays would seven. you guess? Seven. Yeah, seven. 
I didn't right. have to guess. It's seven. Yeah, he only had. <laughs> he got seven on the as a regular defensive got, guy. Did exactly he? seven at linebacker. And then how? Many I don't know. I don't know if he got any. Teams. Yeah, I don't know if he got any. Who were they pairing teams. him with? Uh, uh, he mostly was Bruner. Bruner. Yeah, Bruner, Bruner and I think Mole. I think one time. Sometimes, but I would really caution Washington fans. Yes, there's a lot of reasons why it would be um, great to see him come back in a game of this magnitude. I just think that they will caution against the, the, the longer-term good in terms of if he gets 15 snaps against Oregon, I think that's probably about what I would expect. Yeah, so, and well, and I mean, Inge did say, depending on how the week goes, he could be eligible to start. Now, yeah. some people took that as he's going to start if he's okay. All he said was he could start. Do you think yeah. Yeah, having Eddie on the field is that big of an upgrade from Cam Bright or Tupatala or Bruner? Well, I'll tell you what. Cam Bright, I saw – I don't know if anybody else saw this, but, I mean, he still took a few bad bad steps. His eyes weren't great and stuff, but he made some plays. Tupatala? Uh, yeah, no, no, Bright. Cam Bright. Oh, Cam Bright. Cam Bright made yeah. some plays in that game. One thing and, that I've noticed it, in, with Tupatala, and I don't want to be judgmental on it because it, you, you just don't know – What's going on pre-snap with him? But he has to—he's making the calls, mm-hmm. and he seems so intent. And I, and this is why you can't downgrade him or be too critical. But he seems so intent on making sure everyone's on the same page and communicating it <coughs> that I feel like there's just not enough time between when he's doing that and the snap to get himself straight so that he's on his job. Mm-hmm. You just all of a sudden you notice. And that's where I see him maybe overrunning plays, overrunning gaps, not fitting the run mm-hmm. as well as he could. Like if he had at least two or three seconds to just establish, okay, this is what I got to do, instead of making sure all the other ten guys around me know what they're doing. I just I wonder how you can mechanically yeah. do that as you know, but, if you're Inge or Morell, to try to give take that either off his plate a little bit or give him enough time where he's got a chance to just kind of get a second to focus pre-snap. Well, if Eddie starts, it'll be in Cam Bright's place. Um, yeah. And because Tupatala is the is the middle linebacker, even though Eddie played middle linebacker before, yeah. Tupatala is doing that now. So if, yeah. if Eddie does start, it'll be in Cam Bright's place. And Cam Bright played probably his best game as a Husky last week. Um, he had 10 tackles. He led the, he led the way with 10 tackles. He had a sack. Um, he had that one uh, screen pass on Oregon State's last offensive drive other than the one play, final play deal. This, the, their last actual offensive drive where it was third and, or I think it was second and 20 or something like that. They had gotten a holding penalty or a, um, a delay game, and Cam Bright start, stopped, him, stopped that play dead in its tracks for, on I, the screen. I just don't think that having Eddie out there is a gigantic upgrade it's not like you're missing michael Penix and michael Penix coming back it's not that huge of an upgrade at this point in time i think he's a really good player but how much better is it i think it's just another depth guy who understands things yeah well yeah. the other thing you've got to remember too is that chris mole continues to improve i thought he's improved so you, so you've got legitimately four guys in front of eddie that have not only played all season but are really starting to get into a into a rhythm, into a bit of a flow, and 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 kind of not only understand their rotations but their responsibilities. You had a chance to talk to Coach Schmidt as well. Yeah, um, I talked to Coach Schmidt on Wednesday, and and he, you know, he's just, I asked him about 
playing Bo Nix? Is it a lot like playing DTR? And, and he basically said, he said, they're similar in some ways. They're not similar in other ways. Um, he says DTR is more shifty than uh, Bo Nix is, but Bo Nix is just so smart with the way he, he's just, he said it's obvious that he's played a lot of football because he knows when to take it tuck it and, and go he and he goes that and the, and when he gets moving he's faster than dtr he said he said that kid is fast but he says he doesn't get started i mean dtr is just so much quicker can make you miss in space and and he said bo Nix isn't a guy who's gonna juke you he's just gonna be a guy who outruns you to the corner or he's gonna pull it down because you've given him so he said it's really about the guy staying in their lane keeping their leverage correct and, and all those different things. And then he said the other, th- he said the other thing is too, cause uh, I guess Oregon's number five in the country and giving up sacks. They've only given up one all, all season long. No, they're number like one in the country. Oh, number that's one why country, I talked yeah. about earlier. I said, that's the thing with Thule and those guys, yeah. because they're going up against an offensive line. That's been pretty ridiculous in pass protection. Well, well, one of the things that Schmidt said, and he's, he didn't downgrade what Oregon is doing along the offensive line, but he did say, he goes, when you can run the ball like they do, that holds the linebackers, so they're not able to maybe get on their rush as quickly as they would if they weren't worried about that. And he said, he said, so what we need to do is we need to get stops on first and second down, sure. so that we're putting them in third and seven or longer. We know they're not going to run the ball, and now we can now we can maybe get after him a little bit more and he goes he goes he's he's gonna be tough what makes bo nick so tough though is as good as good of a runner as he is and decision making Mm -hmm. he's able to kill you with his arms he's a lot better at passer than dtr well he's they just throw the ball different differently at oregon they they use those little routes like we were talking about with the tight end dtr is really accurate yeah dtr has gotten way more accurate than he was before but he's throwing the ball in larger chunks yeah, and, big and, chunk and things plays. like that. Whereas Bo Nix is just kind of, I don't want to say he's nickel and diming you. He's not the run and shoot where he's. Well, they will nickel and dime you until will. they find guys like Franklin and Coda and those yeah. guys down the field. And Hudson, And then, yeah. they'll, go, then they'll get over the top of Yeah, them. and I, I guess we don't even know if Coda's going to be able to play because he's been out. Yeah, so I, I mean, really, at so. this point, again, it's, it's going to be Ben, but don't break. I don't know how much you can spy a guy like yeah. Bo Nix. I mean, that's, that's a difficult thing to you know do you dedicate one whole guy to do that and is there do you have a guy that's athletic enough that can not just follow him but track him and get him on the ground what you'd like to do is get a asa turner or a dominic hampton bigger guys who can who can make tackles and still be able to run but i don't think that's what those guys do well i think cam bright or chris mole would do it better but they aren't fast enough Right. to keep up with him. So it's going to be tough. You had a chance to talk to Lee Marks, and they, Washington only played two running backs against Oregon State. And yep. Richard Newton got in on special teams, but the only two uh, running backs that you saw were Cam Davis and Wayne Talapapa. Did he address that at all? He did a little bit, just in terms of, you know, when you talk about a rotation, what it's going to take, and he, he wants guys that uh, have the ability to kind of get that hot end and, and do something special with the ball. He said it, it just really worked out that both Cam and Wayne were doing a really nice job. And, um, you know, I asked him about that third down play with CD and Ryan Grubb saying it was probably one of the most clutch catches yep. he's ever seen in his life. And, and, and Lee Marks is just matter of fact about it. He's like, 
That's, that's what, what he's supposed to do. Exactly. Yeah. That's what he's supposed to do. He's like, I don't, I don't want, to, I don't want to act tough about it. I don't want to, you know, it, I don't think he wanted to sound conceited about it. But he goes, if we, if if we're putting you out there, we're expecting you to make that play. He goes, if if you can't make that play, we're not putting you out there. I don't know if it makes sense or not, but it almost seems to me with uh, Coach Marks that he wants to like Cam Davis. That's the guy he wants to like. Well, I think in a lot of ways he fits the profile of a guy that that Marks would recruit, a guy that does everything well, that fits that. You know, again, the the guy that he uses as the template is is um, is uh, Marshall Falk. He wants that guy who's an all around player who can run the ball and catch the ball with equal um, ability. And it just and also, you know, you need to go in and pass protect and do those types of things. And and that's where he thinks that's going to be a big part of the game on Saturday is that the guys that could go in and really help Mike out and, and be the pass protectors that they need to be when Oregon comes, um, that's going to be a huge part of it because that's they expect to get – they expect to see the kitchen sink. We, we heard that um, – from uh, Grubb and heard that again this uh, this week from the other coaches. Where I think Cam Davis is more dynamic, Scott, you brought up that um, right now Wayne Talapapa is the best guy on pass protection. Oh, absolutely. Is it, Wayne, um, CD isn't as bad. It isn't bad. He's just not – he doesn't have the lead in the pencil that uh, Wayne Talapapa does. And, man, there are a couple plays where they sent a delayed blitz and he picked it up and – just cleared the guy. I, and you and I were talking about it yeah. up in the press box. And, and I, I, the guys sitting next to me, one of the NFL scouts was like, that might be the best pass pro I've seen of a running back in a long time. Yeah, where we sit on press row, we sit, we, we sit next to basically where all the NFL scouts sit. And so we, it's nice to get a little bit of insight on what they're seeing and mm-hmm. who they're identifying as guys that, that you know, Particular teams might, uh, you know, start yeah. to, to delve into and get a little bit more information. Yeah, on. this was the Tennessee Titans guy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but man, it was, it was he, some of his his past pros, and I and I asked this was off the record, but I asked him if he's the best pass pro guy he's ever had, and he goes, he goes, I've had a couple other guys, and two of them are playing in the NFL, um, and he said I've had a couple other guys that are as good than than he is, but as he is. But he goes, they aren't better than him. They're they're right there. So that just tells you. I mean, he's on playing on an elite level. If Wayne's in, if Wayne is in, uh, quite often it's going to be because of his pass protection ability. I eh, well, I, I mean, think the other thing to be honest get a, with get you, you is run here and there. I think the other thing is is I think the the coaches are kind of impressing upon him, and maybe this is part of the feedback they get from some of those scouts, is, and this is one of the reasons why I think he's spending so much time as well on special teams. Is that he's with his toughness and his ability and things like that, he could be he could end up being a special teams demon in the NFL. He could be one of those cover guys, one of those um, you know guys that are that just kind of make a living at it that you don't really think about. Kind of one of those no name guys, but every weekend they're making big plays on punt and covers and, and what have you. And if you're paid. What what's the minimum salary in the NFL? Like Three hundred thousand. I thought it was. Or, I thought it was okay. like half a million. Okay, wouldn't it? if you're Seven. paid to play football. That's yeah. not a bad gig. <laughs> no, especially when you're only playing maybe you know ten plays a game. Coach Mark bring up any of the other running backs? Did he bring up Rich or? Um, no, we didn't really talk that as much Sam, about that. Sam Adams. No, we we talked a little bit more about just you know what his experience was like when when Fresno went to Oregon last year and kind of what he's learned about the rivalry since he's been here and and um, and just kind of you know again the things that they 
look for when um, when trying to game uh, plan against a defense where they're expecting every coverage, every scheme imaginable, and that's difficult as a running back because it's mostly you're mostly dealing with pass pro at well, that point. One of the things I think it was DeBoer. It might have been Grubb, but I'm pretty sure it was DeBoer that addressed. People asked what on Monday, why only two running backs played. And he said Sam Adams was sick during the week, so he didn't get the reps. He said Richard Newton was a little nicked up, not anything bad, but he didn't get the reps. And Will Nixon had a little bit of a nick too. Yeah, so there was he, really only they, two guys. They that were, didn't get the reps that yeah. they want them to have in order to be able to go out and do stuff. Yeah, Will Nixon, I think he got in on special teams, but he was definitely yeah. had a little bit of uh, – a little bit of a limp going on. Mm-hmm. So. Well, Nixon could be a guy this weekend. Could be, he might show up and surprise some people because there are op- there. I think there are going to be some opportunities in space. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, Oregon's defensive uh, secondary is bad. Other I mean, than statistically, one yeah, statistically one they they're yeah. giving up to 260, 270 yards a game through the air. I mean, that's for a and top par- six team in the in the country. That's horrific. Part part of that is because teams are playing from behind so much that they're throwing the ball. Well, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. They were able to – and, again, that might be a situation where those kinds of statistics can be misleading at times. Yeah. But still, to just give up those raw numbers, yeah. uh, you know, at some point there's going to be a team that takes advantage of that. Well, Co- Coach Huff. Washington. Coach Huff out of practice today. It was cold. He's wearing a winter coat and shorts, and Coach Morrell was all over him about that. Only he, coach in the country. No, no, Schmidt was out there. <laughs> no. He had shorts on. Yeah. That's what Morrell was giving him a hard time about. No. But uh, you had a chance to talk to Coach Huff. I think the offensive line has actually played pretty well this year. No, they have played pretty well. I mean, he talked a little bit more about the the idea of moving Fautanu outside and Kirkland inside. They feel really, really good about it. And asked him about that the play with Fautanu, the, um, whatever it was, <laughs> the unnecessary oh, roughness yeah. one. Mm-hmm. And he just said, "Yeah, I mean that, that's a, that's an effort play, and we're never going to downgrade a guy from that. We, you know, we we'd much rather try to pull him in than 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 push him." And so he feels really, really good about that, and he feels really, really good about getting you know Mateo Mele more reps, getting Garen Hatchett more reps, getting Nate Kalepo more reps. Um, he just, I think, he feels like the offensive line right now is in a really good place. And I think Roger Rosengarten, you know, it seems like uh, the game has slowed down for him. He's not getting the pa- uh, penalties the, he was earlier in the year. So I think Roger Rosengarten, and then Bainavalu, I think, has just been steady all yeah, year. Yeah, and and you know, it was I on the replay, um, Chris. I don't know if you saw this, and I know it's tough for you, Kim, to see see it, but um, uh, Nate Kleppo played the pretty much the whole fourth quarter. Yeah, and, and, and I also right asked guard. him about Mele because Mele was the one that was the center in for that final yeah. drive. Yeah, and, so you had three starters in, the um, Fautanu and Kirkland and yeah. Rosengarten, but then you had Mele and Kleppo. I want to say that Mele only played the last two series of the entire game, which is very different than what they've tried. They've normally tried to get him in, like, second quarter. Second and third, and yeah. third quarter. But, but this was one of those really, really unique situations, and he just said, yeah. He goes, I know you guys don't see it. But we're repping those guys a lot, and we're really, really fortunate to have two guys that we feel completely comfortable with. Mike feels completely comfortable with in terms of snapping and things like that, and so they they're in a good, good situation you think as ba- far as the, as far as the line goes. You know, Bainavall has had the knee issues, and I think both of us were actually surprised he came back this year. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're trying to get um, him a little bit more on a pitch count and yes, trying to get him a little bit of rest? Absolutely, I do. Yep, I think once Kirkland came back. 
and that allowed Kaleppo to go to the bench. Yeah. And they, they've said from the beginning that Kaleppo is playing well enough that we want him to be on the field. It goes hand-in-hand hand yeah. with what they want to do. It's really, it's with that one move, it's not only getting Nate some situations where he's on the other side too, so he's getting some reps on either side of the center, which is important because when you're an interior guy, if you can get more reps at all of those positions, the more attractive you're going to be to the NFL the more versatility you're going to show them. So that serves Nate. It serves you dub right now. It serves Henry because now Henry can be, he can go balls out for the 40, 50, 60 reps that he, that he can go balls out on. And then, um, and then if they need to, to spare him for like a series or two and get another guy in there to, to kind of keep the train moving, then that's what they've allowed Nate to do. And that, I think it's really worked well with him. And, and obviously they, with Garen, it's, you know they're getting him some reps as a, as an exterior or a, an extra mm-hmm. lineman, and then uh, also he came in, in a lot. He came yeah. in for at least ten to fifteen snaps, and I think. in the in the punch shield as well, which I think is is valuable mm-hmm. experience for him. So they're doing a good job of trying to rotate some of these guys in and, and making it count. Going to be an interesting game on Saturday. Um, Oregon's just, I mean, that's going to be a tough win, but I think it could be a signature win for Coach DeBoer. It, it would be a huge win. Um, Washington was a 13-and-a-half-point underdog. And that's as of today, you know, it could go, it depends on how the money comes in. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see this being a close game, and I think both teams are going to score points, but uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, uh, just a real quick note on basketball, uh, game at 8 o'clock on Friday against North Florida. Yeah, I think they just played Gonzaga. I don't know what the score was, but I think they just played Gonzaga. Yeah, we'll have to um, uh, check. One of the things to keep an eye on is Noah Williams. He was warming up for the second half on Monday and did kind of a Euro step and kind of tweaked his knee a little bit. No update on that. Cole Bajima was just suffering from cramps. He was sick the previous week. so um, Yeah, I was, was kind of surprised little... given that, that, that he played as much as he did. Yeah, well, he had to. Noah was out. So um, it'll be interesting because I think the plan is right now for basketball is to redshirt Jackson Grant and Corin Johnson. But if Noah Williams goes down and he's out for any period of time, they're going to be forced to play Corin Johnson some. And Corin had off-season surgery and um, – I think there's a little bit of concern on getting him back too soon. Yeah, it's a fine line, and I feel I feel for the Washington staff in many ways because if you know a guy's going to play, like a Menifield, for instance, you play him and you try to play him a lot, and you try to, you know, like I know Mike Hopkins said that Menifield would have played even more if he hadn't gotten like the what three thousand two minutes or two thousand three minutes or whatever it was, some ridiculous number in the first half. But with Johnson and with Grant. You know, they can't play if your intent is to redshirt them. But yet, if someone goes down with an injury, you would have wanted that time in the earlier games for them to ramp up and get the experience that they would need. Now, all of a sudden, they're, they're having to make up for a lot of lost time, and that could be a difficult situation. So I feel, I feel, all, I feel for the coaches in it, and I feel for the guys, because um, I think in those situations, redshirting is probably a good thing for them. But... You know, at the same time, if they have to be pressed into action, is that fair to them? It's my they, gu- they came to play. My gut says you won't see Noah on Friday, and you'll see uh, Cole Bajima in the starting lineup um, instead of him. You'll see uh, Jamal. Um, PJ as well as Cole take their turns at running point. So I think um, it's interesting because Cole, I think, has shown that he he's probably a better ball handler that he gets credit for. Um, 
PJ, I think ideally in Hopkins' world, would be the backup point guard because I think he has the experience. And I think he likes the fact that he, he is really putting his heart out there and, and really playing 100% for the team and, and doing those things. But then, like he says, he goes – he he does the he does the alley oop to to Kepnang and all of a sudden he's holding his breath going no don't don't do that and so there's certain things where I think they'd like to see him have a little bit better decision making. Well, it's not like these guys are just getting thrown in there and they've never done it. They've been working with Cole for a year on playing some points, so it's not going to be totally new to him if that's what they ask him to do. Jamal did some of it last year, and then uh, PJ has done quite a bit of it as well. Well, and I so. think I think Kim with their motion offense, I don't think they need to have a pure point, do they? No, they can have combo that. guards running yeah. that thing, right? I mean, yeah. it's not. You know, it's not where it's so dependent on one guy to facilitate all the offense. No, I think it's just one guy's going to be a little bit more ball dominant. So um, I think that's going to be the key. And for those uh, talking, I think I've been talking about Keon Menafield for quite a bit, and people are getting an idea of why I'm excited about Keon. But you also have to understand he showed up at 135 pounds, and five of that was probably hair. And the offensive game, I think, is there. The problem is, as thin, as slight as he is, he gets pushed around quite a bit. And if you go against a physical guard, they're just going to maul him. And um, they're trying to get – they do quite a bit of that in practice. PJ and some of the other guys just pretty much maul him. But then he goes by him and scores. But I think the the, the um, problem with uh, Keon right now, until he gets a little bit bigger and stronger, is going to be on the defensive end and just getting pushed around. Where the zone, you might be able to save him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we saw it early on, maybe with Isaiah Thomas. The only difference is that Isaiah was a lot more well built, even though he was shorter. Um, you know, he just he just had that kind of power and 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 just kind of innate ability to kind of create when he was getting bumped around, whereas with Menafield, we just don't know. He's so quick. I think a lot of times in high school, he just never got really touched because they couldn't get to him. So we'll see how that works. Speaking of IT, coming through the gym on Wednesday, IT was out there working out with Will Conroy. It was kind of funny because you're looking at um, IT working out with Will, and the guy working out with Will and IT was Will Jr. Uh, you know, so uh, that was kind of funny. And then on the other end of the court, it was Langston Wilson and Quade. Quade Green's been here for the last couple of days as well. It's Philly connection. Yeah. It's interesting how this thing works. Basketball is such an interesting game. Yeah. You got guys from Philly all the way across the country working out in Seattle. Yeah. It's just on another note, we are talking to Coach Hopkins. <laughs> he's crazy, man. You know he's doing jujitsu now? Huh? Yeah, oh. doing jujitsu, and he's um, you know all the time he was back at um, at Syracuse, um, you know the John Jones and brothers. That's where they're from. They're from Rochester, and he was talking about you know <coughs> uh, you know Chandler, you know coming, and Chandler went to Syracuse, and uh, Chandler always had the brothers around John. And who was the uh, who's uh, the other? Um, who's Chandler? I'm lost. Chandler Jones. Okay, John Jones' brother. I'm not. I, I, I'm not a wrestling guy, so you're you're oh, going to have to speak well, to me like I'm well, four. Well, Chandler's a first-round draft pick. He's an all-pro defensive No, I know, but you mentioned John Jones. I was yeah, what? they're brothers. And then I'm trying to remember the name of the other one, but he was a starting nose tackle for New England for quite a few years. Yeah, no I can't idea. remember his first name. But, yeah, I think as a dad, if you've got, you know, one son getting um, all-pro men – team and then another one first round draft pick and all pro and a son who's a world champion wrestler that's a good thing but right now uh coach hopkin doing jujitsu so anyways it's kind of funny so wrap it up chris fetters yeah i don't know uh 
I think we've covered pretty much all we need to cover. I mean, talking to the players and coaches, they know they've got a real tough task ahead of them. Um, I tried to go Coach Marks into telling me the, the deep secrets of what they've been doing at practice to kind of mitigate the noise and things like that because we've heard reports of Dan Lanning pumping in bow down to Washington at Oregon's practices. So I was wondering if, if Washington was doing the same thing by pumping in Oregon's uh, theme song or whatever that whatever they call it, and and uh, and he just he wouldn't he wouldn't bite. So they, you know, they're they're obviously well drilled, and and we also have to remember Lee Marks was the interim head coach too when DeBoer was was gone when he had when he had taken the Washington job. So he's well schooled in dealing with the media on on these kinds of subjects. So we don't know. He he did hint that they've been doing some things and trying to get ready in their own way. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it, it's interesting that a lot of the key guys that, um, that have really contributed to a lot of the stuff that's gone on, guys, whether you're talking about a Mike Penix or we were talking about Cam Bright or some of these other guys, these are guys that don't have any history in the, in the mm-hmm. Washington-Oregon rivalry. And yet, what's the main guy the last time Washington went to Oregon? Peyton Henry. Peyton Henry, yeah. He just kicked a game-winning field goal on Saturday. What happens if he's confronted with another 37-yarder to win he'll the drill, game? He'll drill it. You think so? He'll drill it. Okay. Well, he had three chances against Oregon last time. Scott Eklund? Um, yeah, I, I think the players and the coaches, <clears throat> even if they haven't participated in it, they, they all seem to know and understand why this rivalry is important to Husky fans and also to Oregon fans. You know, they don't like each other very much. And... Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the game. I, I'm not going to be picking uh, Washington to win this game, but, you know, if some things fall their way, they could end up winning. So, I don't have any issue with Oregon fans. They seem to have an issue with us, but I don't have any issues with Oregon fans. Yeah, sure you don't. <laughs> sure you don't. Um, again, basketball game Friday at um, – at 8 o'clock tip-off and against uh, North Florida. And this basketball team is fun to watch, so uh, get out and support them. Again, they're fun to watch. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs.